Um, uh, boy, it's such a privilege to get to talk to you guys. Um, to stand in front of a group of men that want to be godly men. That is a privilege to get to do that. And uh, so I'm going to try to share with you for 30 minutes. Um, I have a set of teachings I give on gender and, and marriage and sexuality that's uh, six-hour-long things. And so I feel like, man, I just got so much to say. Um, but I want to tell you that I, I honestly believe the need in our world today is godly men. And not just godly people, godly men. I don't think there's anything the devil fears more that comes out of this creation than godly men. And if we can understand what that means and who God calls us to be, we will be able to, one, experience and accomplish what God wants in this world. And I want to try to lean into that a little bit. So, beginning. Push the right buttons. I'm pushing buttons. Might not be turned on. It's not. Green. I'll push the triangle. I'll push opposite the triangle. There we go. Okay. All right. So, here's where it begins, men. This is the center of your life. Every one of you will arrive at this moment. And if you know Christ, when this moment arrives, it will look something, something like this. And, 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 and every single thing in your life will be measured by how it looks in that moment. Every single thing you've experienced, every single thing you've done, every decision you've made, what it looks like in that moment right there will be the right perspective of it. So whatever's going on in your life right now, what will it look like right there? And from that point, for all eternity, you experience the fruit of that moment. What Jesus honored you for, what he thanked you for, those cups of water that he said, I will never forget. You and I are moving toward a moment that will, from that point forward, reflect what we experience in eternity. Now, that relates to a lot of things, but that relates to this meeting. Because the person that you will stand there as will be the man that you are. You will stand there as the man you have lived out. And, 
it's an important framework to have as we look at this. This is what they preached in the book of Acts. The, the, the apostles, they ran around the world preaching this. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he's the one whom God appointed as judge of living and the dead. So, so Jesus is going to give every person that moment of greeting. There's going to be a moment when your eyes meet his eyes. And that will be true for every single person. There's a moment where, where, where eyes will meet. The created and the creator. And it'll be profound. And God's appointed Jesus to be that person. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Well, one of the things we can know that God, Jesus, will be interested in is what he referenced here. And he said in Matthew 19 to answer to some questions, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? And so Jesus speaks and he affirms Affirms this, this um, uh, reality that you and I experience as binary creations of God, reflecting the image of God, the, the very person of God, the, the, the character, the, the, the uh, d- dimensions of what he is, you reflect some of those uniquely in your male identity. And that picture is profound for me. There's a whole 30-minute story behind that, but that's a picture of a poster I have that Bill gave me. And you guys might have seen it somewhere else if you've been to the ark. But for me, that's profound because I believe that was a real moment, something like that. There was a day where for the very first time, two people stood looking out at a new world. And they actually stood there. Your great, 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 150 generations back grandfather is represented in that picture. Your DNA comes from him. And, and he was created male, and there was someone with him created female, and together they represent the fullness of the creator, God in a way that's unique for all of creation. The relationship that they had, the individuals that they were as male and female, and the relationship they had in their covenant connection as one flesh represents God more fully than anything else he has ever made. That makes male and female pretty important. And he's created each human being not just as a person, but every person is either male or female. Male or female. Because every one of them is to represent his image in this way or in that way, in this way or in that way. And then they're also created to come together and to create this third thing that represents the relational dimension of God and all kinds of other amazing stuff. God knows us. He walks with us. He relates to us as someone whom he created, male or female. He doesn't just walk with you as a person generically. Jesus made you to walk with you. That's a huge thing. There's no one else like you in the world. And, and I, you know, I think about that for myself. There's no one else like me in the world. And, and the world doesn't need two of me for sure. But God says the world needs one. And he likes one of me. And he likes one of you. 
every single thing about you. You know, I've got my quirks. I've got my weirdnesses. I've got my things I can't do. And Jesus says, and all those things that are not sin, he says, John, that's exactly the way I want you. That's exactly the way I like you. I wanted someone just like you to fill with my spirit and represent what I am. And that's true for every one of you. Yes, all of us look at ourselves and we see limitations and we see gaps. We think, see things we wish were different. If I made me, I'd have made me different. He says, no, 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 no. No. <laughs> Believe it or not, John, I want you. And that's true for every one of us. And one of those things he wants in you is your masculine identity. He knows you as male. And he walks with you as male. And when he sits down and relates to you, he relates to you as a man. It tells us in Ephesians 2.10 that he prepares good works for us to walk in. You know what those good works he prepares for you are unique for you in your maleness. He doesn't create the same things. If you were female, those, many of those would be different. That's why there is male and female, because they have different expressions. It's important that they're different. There are things for you to do, created for you to walk in as a man. And if you're married, your wife cannot do them. They're created for you. We will experience the fullness of who we are through our personhood as male or female. And our whole world is telling us, oh, you know, you're just, it, it, just forget that stuff. You know, there's not male and female. Just be androgynous. Just be in the middle. Just, just be you without any of that. Guys, it's, no, no, you can't be you without any of that. That's what you are. You are over here. This is where you will find your personhood. This is where you will experience the fullness of who you are. This is where you will find your identity. And none of us experience anything that God wants for us in his complete fullness because we're sinful and we're fallen. And we don't experience this in his complete fullness either. And for everybody, I suppose, there's struggles and wrestles to think I can even be in this. And there certainly has been for me. But this is where I'll find God. And this is where I'll find me. This is who I am. And we have a world that does not want that notion to be owned by our heart. But Jesus said this, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Jesus said, listen, don't you know he created a male and female? He's telling us, I'm telling you about your identity. And I'm telling you not as some kind of, you know, minor little detail out there. It's the only thing he told us about human life when he made it. The only thing you're going to find in Genesis 1 and 2 is that you're male or female. He could have told us so many things about us. He told you one thing. You are male. Or you are female in his image. And then in chapter 2, we get all the details about how those are different. And just a plug here, I appreciate so much that Josh is doing a, a lecture or series on, on evidence for the creation, that God's the creator, that this is a real historical moment. 
And I love that topic myself. And, and I'm, I'm telling you if, you, if you struggle to believe that this is a real historical moment, then you'll also wrestle with the fact that you, this is your true identity. And then Jesus says, well, if you, can't, if you can't get this far to believe this, you really probably don't believe push come to shove anything I'm telling you about the future either. And so we need to believe Jesus in his earthly things, and we need to lean into them and own them and go, yeah, I own it, I own it, I own it. I receive it, I own it. God, show me. What does this mean for me? And, and there's a whole bunch of background here that would lead up to this that we're not going to get to, but I'm just going to dump right into sort of the, some of the punchlines of, of all of this information that we could get out of the Bible. And to look at what it means to, to, to represent that masculine expression, the Bible tells us this. It's really to express the image of the Father in this world. That's what that masculine part of you is to do. That masculine part of you is to step into a connection with the things around you in that same way that the Father relates to Jesus, the Son. Or Jesus relates to his bride, the church. And what we're told is that we're supposed to take headship, responsibility for that which God has given me. How does that land on you? Can you look at that and own that? You're supposed to take headship over things. You know what's true about your heart, about your nature as a man? God created you as a circle drawer. You draw your circle around things, and then you own it. You draw your circle around your family, and then you've got it. You draw your circle around your stuff. You draw your circle around your job. Oh, the world cranks huge resources out of you by giving you responsibility and that male nature of yours reaches out and draws a circle around it and you got it. And you bring your life to it. That circle is headship. And God says you're to draw that in the same way the Father draws that. And you take headship for good. You take responsibility over that which God has given you. And God hands you responsibility and you draw your circle and go, I got it. I got it. I own it. This is mine. And that is a good thing. Oops, Brady, we lost it. We initiate love and care and compassion over that which God gives us. That's what he does with us, right? We initiate care. You are to initiate care. The key word there is initiate. Everybody knows everybody's supposed to love. Everybody's supposed to love. What are you supposed to do as a male? You're supposed to initiate care. You're supposed to proactively bring that. You're supposed to proactively bring good to the things around you, and you're supposed to lead people into that good. Maybe I should get my computer up here too, so at least I can look at my slides. Oh, we got it here. Okay, we'll click another one. I click it. 
We're to proactively expend our lives to provide all that is good for those whom God has given me headship. That you are supposed to take who you are and you look at what God's given you and instead of being a taker, instead of, instead of trying to crank energy and life out of that, you say, I bring my energy and my life to that. I lay down my life to bring good to that which God has given me. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this phrase, uh, women and children first, like when a ship sinks, who gets in the lifeboats first? Women and children first. And um, I don't know how that strikes you because you don't live in the world I live in. But when I grew up, that was just a given in life. And I remember about probably 20 years ago now, I was reading this article in the newspaper about this Indian ship that sank, the ship out of India. And, and, and the ship of India had many, many people that drowned, and they were all women and children <laughs> because the men got in the lifeboats. And, and the women were too weak, and the children were too weak, and so they drowned. And I look at that, and I went, wait a minute, wait a minute, I thought it was women and children first. No, that's only in a Christian culture. That's only in a place where men have been called into that. Where we own an identity that with our strength, with our ability to, to create a situation, we say, I go down and you do not. And that is the male identity God has wired in you to represent the character of the Father. That is the manhood that God needs. And that is the manhood that will bless you and that you have been called to. That is down in there in you. And God's spirit brings it to life. And your masculine identity lives into that. We lead those over whom God has given us headship. And we lead them into that which is good and right. That's what God the Father did for the Son. God led him through hardship, and God the Father led the Son to the cross. But what's the Son doing now? He's running the universe. And God the Father led him to good. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give it all to you. And I'm going to have the courage to lead you down the road that will get you there, even when you ask me if you can quit. I will say no. Because I love you. And because you love me, you will not quit when I say no. To walk in these things is to walk in my God-intended masculinity. This is what you and I were made to express. We could add more things to that list. I hope there's things in there that when you hear there's something inside that says, that's where I want to be. And, and there's a strength that you were created to express. Do you desire to, to a masculine strength? 
Do you feel a masculine strength? Do you think it's right to aspire to that? Do you know what the Bible says? Well, let's see here. We're just going to keep working with this. In 1 Corinthians, it says this. Um, uh, it says, be strong, act like men. 1 Corinthians 16. And, uh, and in that phrase... There's two things that are tied together there. The notion that, that being strong and acting like men are the same thing. And really, when we look at the, the Greek, I'll read you the verse here. Um, If I wasn't up here, I'd have all, I've always memorized, but I'm on stage, I can't get them. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Act like men, be strong. That means that you and I were created to have some kind of strength. Now, that strength can be misunderstood. That strength can be misrepresented. But it is still true that you and I were created to express a strength. You know, I, um, I was going to show a, another picture here, but I didn't get in the PowerPoint. But I've been engaging a lot with school-related stuff, uh, related to uh, transgender stuff going on in the schools and uh, um, sex trafficking stuff going on in the schools and... I've just gotten aware of really, really grieving things that are happening to young people in schools. And somebody sent me a picture. And it's a picture of a little girl. And over the picture, you might have heard this phrase before, but it says, they're not after you. They're after me. And you need to be in the way. And when I read that last line thinking through the things that I have known that have happened in my own community, there's something inside me that goes, I will be. I will be. And they may get to you, but before they do, I'll be dead. Now, I don't know anything, whether anything like that resonates for you, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't resonate for most women. Now, they can be mama bears, but what fires off in them is different. And that thing that fires off in us was created by God to be there. David said to his son, be strong. Or Solomon said this. No, David said this to Solomon. Be strong and show yourself a man. 1 John, John wrote this, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. A lot of you guys in here are young. You look around the older guys, maybe you think, oh, they're the older guys. They're the ones that, you know, have the whatever. Do you understand what the Bible says to you, young men? It says, listen, young men, understand this. 
you are strong. And God speaks to you because of that. There is a strength in you as young men. I still have the clarity I always had. Maybe more clarity. But I do not have that strength. And it's more than physical strength. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. God has made it so. And you need to understand what that means in the spirit. And you need to be filled with that. You need to have a confidence in that. There is a strength in you. that can do many good things. Okay. The challenge today is we have two kinds of males. We have men and we have guys. And I will explain the difference. And you can see if you agree with me. But there are men and a man takes headship. But a guy allows independence and autonomy. Oh, you just, you know, I mean, everybody should just be able to do whatever they want. You be you. Men initiate love, care, blessing, affirmation. I mean, Bill's been doing just such an amazing expression, example of that. Guys are the responders, and they expect a 50-50 relationship. Well, you got to last time. Well, we should let him because it's his turn. No, it's just a guy. You are a source of strength for that which is good and right, whatever the situation. Men expend their lives to provide what is right and good. I will lay down my life to get you what you need. On a good day, a guy will take responsibility for himself. You're not in this world to be a consumer. Every time somebody calls you a consumer, spit on the ground. You were never created to be a consumer, you're a man. You are here to bring, not take. You are here to be a supplier. Not someone who consumes. You produce, you bring good. When you are on the field, good things happen. That is what God made me for. That's what he made you for. And that's what we need to lean into and own. Men lead others into what is good. Others, guys, give others what they want and avoid conflict. Here's one. Men or guys give their sexual interest to every opportunity their day brings them. That's why all those ads are along your internet stuff that you read. Lots of opportunities that you can just pause and just take in. And they know lots of guys are doing it. And that's why they're there. And movies, they know just the scenes to put in. And everybody just laps it up. Yeah, I can just sort of indulge all those opportunities. Men understand that their sexual interest is only to be given to one woman when they have taken full responsibility, headship, and marriage for that woman. Both of these males, guy and man, are scared to death of a physical connection with a woman. 
The guy is scared to death of a relationship with responsibility and commitment. It scares him to death, and he goes everywhere else. The man is scared to death of an engagement where it is not committed and and permanent and a lifetime commitment marriage because he knows it can destroy him. Which relationship terrifies you? Solomon wrote this, don't give your strength to women or that, your way to that which destroys kings. And my dear brothers, you and I live in a world of many, many kings who have been destroyed. Even down to the advertisements. And then, of course, it goes way over the edge into pornography and immorality. And every one of those actions is destroying the king. There are no adult bookshops. There's just little boy bookshops. Don't let your kingship be destroyed. Guard your soul. The devil is destroying men everywhere. It's all around us. We are saturated in it, and it saps your strength your strength as a man, and you know every time you cross that line, you sense that there's this strength that you just, it just got sucked out of you. When you put up a wall, no! I will not give my strength to that. I will not give, I will give my strength for a woman. I will not give my strength to women. Oops. You know, this all worked before. Well, so I'm going to give you why this is important for the church to understand this. Really important for the church to understand this. Next time we'll use PowerPoint. I'm just about done here. But this last slide, I think, could be helpful if we can get through it. I think there's... 33 transitions in this slide, so the chances are slim, but we got this guy. He's just a guy, and of course, he's selfish because he's not saved, but he gets saved, and so he wants to become like Christ, and so he begins to grow, and he reads his Bible, and he knows that he's supposed to grow in in becoming and representing what Jesus is, and and so he grows and matures, but, but he's still just a guy. And because he's just a guy, when he becomes what he understands Jesus is, he becomes passive, and he's just a servant. He's a great servant, he's just, but he's just a guy. Well, then we got this guy who's got a, a, a sense of, of manhood, but he's not saved, and he's just selfish. Um, but he does get saved, and, and he wants to become like Christ. And so he begins to grow. And as he grows in that expression of imitating Christ and being filled with the Spirit and, 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 and laying down his life, it gets expressed differently. It, it gets expressed through proactive actions of taking responsibility for things. And, and he grows and he becomes mature as a man. Those are two different kinds of believers. And he takes headship over things. Well, then we got this woman, and she's just selfish because she's not saved, 
And, and she gets saved, though, and she wants to become like Christ. So she grows and, and learns about God and reads her Bible and builds relationships and, and, and really strives to let God into her life more and more. But the question is, um, as she does that, what will she become? Well, controversial as it may sound, if the Bible's true, the way God has made women is in, in, their, in their wiring, they are wired to be responders to the males that are around them. They fit, they, they complete, they, they, they uh, uh, fill the gaps. And so, so they look at what men are around me, whom I, whom I connected with here, whom I united with here, and, and then they just track. And their growth is shaped by the, uh, by the men that they hang out with. Um, and so what happens is she's tracking with guys, so she becomes proactive, and she takes responsibility and she leads because that's the need. So she fills it in, she takes responsibility, she makes sure everything gets done. How many churches are like that? Where the people who are really owning it and taking responsibility are the women. But what if there's a church that says, no, I know you've just come to Christ and I know you understand you need to be like Jesus, but let me tell you something else. You know what? You know what growing in Christ means? It means growing and understanding who you are as a man. It means owning an identity, not just as a guy but as a man. And someone shares that with him that needs to accept his identity in God's image as a man. Now when he grows, he's growing down two lines at once and he becomes mature. And now the women that are also in that community are responding to him. Their lives change and they become people who get excited and engaged in supporting and uniting because they are united with men. I don't know how this strikes you. I got to experience this as a young man. I got saved into a group of people that really understood that men were to initiate, to lead out, and then women could run as hard as they wanted, and there was a place alongside because the men were leading and they were owning and they were taking responsibility and they needed help. And it changed my life. I remember one time, I'll just share the story really quick. I, uh, they, they just, you know, there was just, I was just this young new believer and I was in the small group meeting and we had a breaking bread time in the small group meeting and there were some, uh, uh, we called them the sisters there, the sisters in our little team. They were way more mature than I am. They'd been around a long time. They were like, there was, you know, there was the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then there was Joan Chalman. And, and Joan was as godly as any person on the planet. And so our leader was gone, and, and, and it was time for somebody to lead Breaking Bread. I knew Joan was going to lead it because she just talked to Jesus. And, and Joan just looks over at me, and she's not leading nothing. I'm leading it. I'm the male there, and I'm leading it. She'll support me, she'll affirm me, but I'm leading it. And it changed my life. It changed a lot of young men's lives. And for me, it was a tremendous blessing, probably why I'm doing what I'm doing today. So if you guys are married, one more point here. 
This is where it's hardest when you're married. And we know it's the hardest here because the devil knew it was the hardest here because this is where he had us all fall. So God, God, uh, the, the devil deceives the woman and says, hey, eat the fruit because you'll be smarter and better and everything will be fun. And she ate the fruit and then she freaked out and realized, man, I gotta, I gotta have something happen here. So she goes to Adam and uh, Adam eats it. And then God comes down, he judges everybody. And he says this to Adam, because you listened to your wife, and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. So, so God says to him, you know what, Adam? <laughs> Listen to your wife. And you knew you shouldn't do that. Your mind was telling you, I shouldn't be doing this. But that's what your wife wanted, and that's where you went. And because of that, Adam, the entire creation has fallen. I like the older translations better. The Darby says, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife. Or a more recent translation, the net translation says this, because you obeyed your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. And if you're married, you know one of the greatest tensions in your life is wanting to be united with your wife. You do not want conflict with your wife. You do not want there to be that, that, that tension, that whatever, and this is just where she's at. And there's times where we all yield to that. But Jesus said you need to love your wife because Adam was not loving Eve. And the great test is, will I lead my wife? when she's pretty sure she knows what she wants to have happen. But I feel like in the spirit, I'm not arguing, I'm not finding anybody. I don't think Jesus wants us to go there. Let me give you one more little picture. So here we are. Us and our wife, we just get married, and, you know, we're big and strong. We're the man, and there's our wife, and, you know, we're just going to love her and take care of her, but we're, we're, we're still thinking like a guy. We're living like a guy. We're acting like a guy, even though we don't admit it, but that's where we're at. So things go along in our relationship, and, 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 and there's this thing that she's not happy with. And, and so we try to get a little smaller, you know, try to equalize things out and, you know, just make stuff work better. And, but the longer that goes, it just seems like, wait a minute, I, I, I'm just trying to yield here. I'm just trying to make space. I'm just trying to let things happen. And, and pretty soon, no matter how much hard we tried, uh, mama ain't happy. And, and we go, I just don't get it. But what's happening is, we're responding like a guy. And we haven't walked with God graciously trying to figure out what does it mean to put God in his place and me in my place and everything where it should be. So it's better to start this way, to draw a big circle for God. And then God brings people into it and he brings in her wife and, and then he brings in others. And we're doing our best to walk as a godly man in all of its challenges and all of its trials and all of its difficulties. But our target and our goal is that. So we got to get saved. We got to make a decision to accept Christ. But we also have to do this. We have to make a decision to accept the image identity God has given us. We have to accept the fact that he's made us a man. God, I accept that identity. I accept that identity. I accept that identity. 
And we'll go to discussion questions now, but I just want to leave you with that question in your own heart. You know, maybe we could just, just pause here. Let me just, you know, go to that quiet place in your head. You can close your eyes, whatever you want to do. I just want you to look at, ask this question of yourself. To what degree, and maybe there's a spectrum, to what degree... Not that you're there, not that you are that. You know, Paul said, not that I've arrived, I haven't done this, but he knew that was his goal. So not that you are that at all, but to what degree has your heart said that person as a man that God wants me to be, that's what I want to be. To what degree have you been able to receive that into your soul? If you can receive that, you are on that blue line. You are growing as a man. He will get you there. I just want to give you the opportunity right now just to tell God, tell God where you're at. And if, and if you go, Lord, Jesus, make me that man. Just tell him that from the depth of your soul, that that's your desire, not to just own an identity as a Christian, but to own an identity as a man growing in Christ, growing as a man. Just tell God that's what you want. That's how you want him to disciple you. And if that freaks you out, tell God that. Lord, I thank you that you have made human life amazing. You've made women amazing. You've made men amazing. You made the whole thing glorious. Ah, and the world just tries to wash it out and cover it up and bury it and waste it away. And yet it's glorious and it's beautiful. Lord, help us to fill that out and that we would die more as men than we are today. Lord, I want to die more as a man, more in expressing that, more in the fullness of that than I am today. I want to be all that you want to see in me. Jesus, for Jesus' sake, amen.